All right. Welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pabratsky alongside our St. Thomas beat writer, Annie Williams. And we are joined by longtime St. Thomas head coach, Sheila McGill. Sheila, you are in the midst of a historic first ever Division I campaign for the women's soccer team. And one nugget I do have to call it at the beginning here, which was a really, really fun extra piece that I had not known is the women's soccer team was also the very first team at St. Thomas to play an official regular season D1 game, which is just like, I think that's the cherry <laughs> on top of the cake. I think that's awesome. But thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be able to chat with you guys. Yeah. And Annie is over in Iceland. We are working our time differences as best we can. Sheila, you just came back from a game in Green Bay yesterday. So I'm the only one that's been in St. Paul this entire time. So we're going to get to Annie. <laughs> Who's been who's been living much harder uh, than me? Oh yeah, thank you. First of all, Sheila, I want to congratulate you on having a successful first couple games um, as a Division One coach. I like Mark or like Matt said, um, you've been the coach for a while, but having this be your first Division One season, um, I know we talked before about how are you, you were preparing for these first couple of games um, and what your team values were. And so having tied against Northern Iowa, won against um, Chicago State and lost against Green Bay. Now you have kind of one of everything starting <laughs> off. Um, and yeah, I was just going to ask you how the first three official games um, after having those under your belt how um, is the team progressing according to your team values? Yeah, I think if in the very beginning, if you would have told me even a month ago that we would start out one, one and one, that's pretty fantastic. We're pretty excited about where we're at, to be honest. Um, so I think that that in itself is, is a great achievement, but it also t tells me how hard our girls are working. They are really training at a high level and they're pushing themselves and pushing each other to make each other better. One of my favorite things, though, is the amount of questions I get. And it's constant. So like after they'll come over and we'll set up the cones and they'll be like, okay, so wait, in this scenario, if I do this, what am I supposed to do? If I do this, where should I go? You know, and so we talk so much about it. And I love that they have the the comfort to come to the head coach and be able to just have those chats, you know, and, and that we're laughing as we do it. And we're talking about the things that we do. And I think to me, that team chemistry is what makes or breaks a team. You know, there's a lot of coaches that aren't approachable. And so to me, that that our staff is, is so beneficial to this transition. I think that having that being part of our transition right now is one of those things that it makes them comfortable and confident that they know it's okay to make mistakes. And we know we're going to make mistakes and that's okay because we're going to learn from them. And so having that as the environment instead of something that's maybe more rigid, I think has been really beneficial to us being able to say, hey, get after it. If you go ahead and make a mistake, that's fine. We're going to cover for you. You know, so to me, that's been really the the, the building block of what we've been doing. and helps us get to where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Um, so like with what you said about like having stuff to like improve on and like giving your players freedom to make mistakes, mm -hmm. um, what are some specific things that um, you're looking to improve in the five games leading to Summit League play? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that overall, we always want to be good defensively. I think that that's going to be something. But as we've talked about before, is for us as well, I don't want to be a team that parks the bus. I don't want to be a team that sits in and just defends. And we, that's not going to help us get better. And when you think about transition, you think about, let's say, the jump from high school into college. The first thing you have to learn is physical play and speed of play. Well, if you're not really playing, 
then you didn't make that jump, right? So if we're just sitting in and defending, we aren't making that jump. So we aren't teaching our players to play at that next level. Instead, we're teaching them to do something else. So for us, taking that next step, so we aren't just defending, so we're able to attack. And I think that that's where these last couple of games, we had opportunities. We've had opportunities to get forward as a team, and we're getting more and more as we go. So it's becoming something where when we break, we're able to break as a team and be able to attack forward. So both of those dynamics are really important right now. I think always defensively, if you can have great shape, you can create so many more opportunities on the attack. So I think that those two things in particular is when we do go, can we go with numbers and know kind of what we're doing a little bit more, get to know the players on either side of us to say, this is a player we should find feet. This is a player we should find space. You know, how do we combine off of each other better? And those are the things that are now starting to come together. Whereas we had to do so, so much learning in the beginning and just teaching so many new players how to play our style that now we're getting to know each other as individual soccer players and what their strengths are. Yeah. I, I love how you talk about the the need to, it's sort of like, we're not just going to sit back because we're a quote unquote new team who might not like be, we might be underdogs. So we need to like sit. I love how you talk yeah. about that. Cause I think one thing I've seen in a couple of your first few games is it's sort of really natural for players when they have to sit back and defend, defend, defend that as soon as they get the ball, they want to just go direct because they're kind of like, we have to get into the attack because we've been stuck <laughs> back here for so long. And we've been frankly, just like busting our butts for like, yeah. you know, 10 straight minutes or like five yeah. straight minutes. I mean, that happens in soccer games where you're defending by bad luck or deflections right. or whatever, where you're defending for like five or 10 literal minutes. And you're just, yeah, Honestly, as a player, you're just bored of defending. Like, I want to go forward. And so there's there's been those moments I've seen early on where um, – and I also think you have some players who just like to play a nice direct ball too. Like, they yeah. like to try and break a line. Sure. But you have, you know, players like – as soon as you mentioned some players like to play defeat and some like to play into space – my brain immediately went to Abby Brantner, who's who yeah. a freshman for you guys is just number two. For folks who have watched anything, you for sure have noticed number two, just sort of like run, like cutting a diagonal run, cutting, cutting, cutting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, is like how much of it is that too? Where if you're if you're sitting back too much, you're also sort of sort of forcing that reflexive only direct play because players are just like we have to get the hell out of here. Right. Well, and I think that that's something that we've we've been talking about, even in, within our games, just like you said, there's times when we get five, maybe 10 minutes where we're stuck in our end for a little bit longer than we would like. Right. And we talk about the fact that you can't just launch it when you get it, you know, like what we do and how we do it, we have to connect it. You know, we have to at least connect one so we can settle it and start to, to move the ball forward together. And so mm -hmm. for us, that's a big piece as well as making sure that, you know, everyone's on the same page where there's times to release by all means. But at the same time, there are times when we need to find that connection to start the attack. And I think that that's something that we have the, the ability to sometimes play that long ball and be dangerous. Um, right. But at the same time, we can't necessarily all go then, you know, it's not a, not an entire team attacking forward. So all those things are things that we're kind of working through within to see what some of our better dynamics are within and what are some of our more successful ways to play out of that pressure. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I feel like, if I know one thing about you since meeting you, it was it is definitely that you come prepared and you prepare well. Um, so I just want to like go back a little bit and ask you a question about um, how you prepared like personally and for the team um, to stay focused on the season. Um, because Matt and I were talking earlier, you knew that the team was going to transition into Division One before you actually played division one so yeah. and I'm sure some of the recruits did too so how did you 
prepare for this season, even though you were playing division three still before you got Well, I think that this last season, as much as it was a challenge and it was also a gift, you know, like we got, we got one last opportunity to play in the Mayak, super fun, but our girls trained like they were preparing for division one. And that's, that was something that was, I, I felt like it was pretty prevalent in the way we played that final season. We played without a single goal scorer against. We played and we attacked and we attacked and we attacked. So we worked on different formations um, intentionally. We worked on different formations so that our returning group, who's going to help be the leaders and in, in the, the movers of our of our current team right now, they had more game experience in the way that we needed them to have it. So they were able to play in more than one formation. They were able to step up and we want to defend higher in this scenario. We were able to try and build out of the back. Like all of those things helped us prepare a little bit more for what we're stepping into right now. Um, That being said as well, I think just having a positive mindset, you have to realize, you know, like we talked about, I could sit back and defend and defend and hope for results. I'm not here for results. That's not, whenever we play and we play hard and we play well, the result is going to create itself, you know? And so to me, the result isn't about, I could sit in and I could put everyone in the box and, and, you know, we could maybe tie lots of games, but that's not going to help us as a program get better. So I had to get my mindset set wrapped around the fact that we could lose games. And that's something that's somewhat new, you know, that was hard. I think that that's such a challenging transition, you know? And, um, and at the same time, like being okay with that and personally being okay with the fact that we are going to get scored on, you know, that was something I had to get over as well because that's not something that happened the entire last year you know and so I think that for us those little steps those are what our returners are dealing with as well but we had to get into that mindset beforehand so that we could say hey you know what though this is still growing did we get are we better than we were last game did we train the right things to prepare us for the next game and I think that to me those are the things that have helped us step forward you know sometimes it's small things sometimes it's larger issues but at the same time each time we step from one game and we say hey these were the things that we did really well. Here are the things we need to now move forward and say, hey, this has got to be better. This part's got to get better. We have to do this now moving forward. So looking at those things objectively and being able with our staff to decipher that and then also to translate it onto the field has been what's really helped us. One one thing I think is is really a big challenge for you that you just described something that you actually articulate well, but I think in practice is a lot harder than people might think where you said, we don't want to park the bus and sit everyone back and play only defensive. But you also said, you know, we want to defend well and keep a clean sheet. And and I especially know, and folks who follow college soccer know, being stout defensively is hands down the easiest way to be a, a competitive collegiate team. Because if you can if you can defend well and just be disciplined in your shape and your positioning, you actually can stay in even with much better teams. And so I imagine as a coach, it's pretty hard to say both. <laughs> the team to say we're not just going to sit back we're not going to do this but then also having to say but you have to do the basics right we have to you know to to basically say I'm telling you to play really good defense but I'm not telling you only to only it's so it's but I imagine to try and describe that to someone where they're like she keeps saying both ways like I don't get like I imagine to try and like toe that line is almost impossible <laughs> we talked we talked about it just the other day about there's times when we're going to have to kill a game and we get that. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be moments when we're going to say, Hey, last 10 minutes of a game, we need to be able to shut it down. We need to be able to play defensive. We need to be able to play smart and shut down a game, but that's not going to be an entire game. That's not going to be an entire half. So we train how to do that. But at the same time training for that, we, we put the reminder in there constantly as we were training it. This is for what last 10 minutes, 
Right. Okay. Just reminder. This is for what? Why are we doing this? You know. And so we want them to to have that in their head that this is only when we want this. You know, when we want other things, we're going to defend higher. We're going to squeeze higher, but we have to keep that shape strong, and that's what's going to help us. You know, be successful and get turnovers that aren't in our defensive third. If we get them in the middle third or even in the attacking third, and that's where that good organized defending turns into something for that next step. Yeah, I like I love that strategy of just like taking everything you can and making it a learning experience because like let's be real, um high schoolers going into college or even like girls who are still in college and even me, like we still have so much to learn about strategy and how to play on a certain team, like with certain players. And so I think that's like a really valuable thing um to take everything as a learning experience and like to keep building this year from your success as a division three program into a division one. Um, That's what I see as something to the, as being the key to long-term success. And so I love that idea of the learning experience. Um, And speaking of learning, I know you have a lot of new players Mm -hmm. uh, coming in. How was that recruiting wise? Like, how do you get, how does the conversation go when, you know, you're still division three, but you know, you're going to make that uh, transition and you know, you know, you don't really know what to expect from division one. How was that recruiting? Yeah, I thought it was exciting. Honestly, it was so much fun, you know, and I, I, one of the things I said to our current team and they were nervous about new players coming in and how this was going to work and how their life was going to be within this year. And, and, and I, and I sat down with the players. I said, remember something, remember the type of people I recruit. Remember the types of personalities that I deem is the most important for our team, because that's the type of player that's willing to come in and wants to learn and wants to be part of a team. And it's not about their stats. It's not about it's about how hard they're willing to work and working for the people on either side of them while they play. So recruiting for that was actually really fun because there was a lot of excitement, so much positive excitement going on with the the transition and going into Division One. And everyone was like, St. Thomas is going Division One. This is so cool, you know. And it, and it was so exciting and it was contagious. And so for me, it got contagious as well, where, you know, I'm sitting in there and I love the hard questions. I think that the hard questions sometimes give you the best answers, you know, so they're like, well, how are you guys going to compete in division one athletics? And, you know, and are, are you going to take people by surprise? And it's like, well, no, we're going to be us regardless. You know what I mean? We're going to be who we are, but at the same time, there's nothing more exciting than going and upsetting somebody, you know, like, I love those challenges. When you go to the NCAA tournament, you are not necessarily the underdog or the the big dog or whatever. You are there to battle. And it's a zero zero game every time we start a game. And so you put those things together and it just the excitement starts to build. And, and I was like, how much fun would it be to go in and win some games and for people to be like, what? wait a minute, you know, like we just surprised somebody, you know. So I think that that to me and like that that energy kind of became contagious with the, the players that we were talking with as well. They wanted to be part of that. They wanted a chance to be able to be that those players who step in and help with the transition and are part of the team. And, and so that's one of the things I'm excited about, even with our 2022 class, like we have the right kind of people. And that's where I'm really excited about. We are particular about the types of people we will recruit. And I think that you can have an entire team full of superstars that do nothing because they can't get along and they, they can't work with each other. And, and, um, and then you have an entire team first full of good players that can do amazing things because they do it together. And so to me, that's what I want. I always want that team that's going to do amazing things together. I one, one question I have too, and this is so inside baseball, and I know no coach will ever get super specific about the answer to this type of question is, 
especially when you mentioned managing sort of the nerves or the emotions or the the feelings of the current roster with bringing in sort of are we all getting replaced are you know are we are we sort of now all going to be backbench players or whatever the the entire spectrum of feelings would be because it's obviously with with any group of players you run the gamut but I'm actually super curious because it's it's insanely rare. It might only be like coaches on like you could count on one hand that have had to take a team who are fully <laughs> non-scholarship and go to scholarship where you have a mix of existing players and new players where you're having to offer percentages to new. And then I what I've never thought about before was how you handled like having to decide how to dole out what percentages to existing and new and all those things. And for those who don't follow like the absurd silliness of uh, college soccer uh, scholarships, women's soccer is in a, is a, is a, it's a, like a percentage sport. So it's not a headcount sport. And so you have the equivalent of, or you can have the equivalent of 14 like full scholarships and not every program has that. Not not everyone in the Summit League has that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe Power Fives consistently have the max, but but even then, you may not be using all of them because you saved one for a transfer and you didn't get a transfer. So <laughs> it's it's all this weird like splicing. And obviously, there are some full scholarship athletes still, but so much of it is on the random little margin. So mm-hmm. talk about having to sort of build that strategy as a longtime coach sort of outside of the scholarship game and then being like, wow, okay, how do I build this freaking Excel spreadsheet that will be <laughs> my, like scholarship planning? Right. I, I mean, it's new. And that, I think that, that that's the hardest part for me is the newness of the things that are behind the scene instead of the on the field stuff. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect on the field by, by all means, but at the same time, at least that, that part I get, you know, <laughs> with, with the, all the other stuff, I was like, wait, what, what do I not know? You know, how am I supposed to actually do this? You know? And so the learning concept, and that's where I think St. Thomas, the, the other coaches that are going through this with me, we've sat down and we've had meetings. And we're like, okay, now how are you splitting this? What are you going to do? You know? And, and so we sat down and we talked about that stuff and we talked about what's the best way to handle this and what you know how do you want to do this and so we had a lot of different opportunities for each other and sitting down with other coaches at St. Thomas to sit down and say hey based on what you've seen where's your success where have you found that kids are saying yes more to or you know the different dynamics and and using each other's friendships that we have you know whether that's um, with other coaches and other programs and bringing that back to us and say okay I talked to so-and-so here's what they do here's how they do this so for us it was really a learning curve um and a fast one at that um a a learning curve for us um to put it all together but at the same time you know I was really really thrilled with our 12 freshman recruit the recruits that came in this year and then you know looking at next year's class as well just super excited about where we're at and the direction we continue to move so from that side of it we're hoping that what we're doing is the right way to do it. But I think that just the honesty and talking with parents is really important as well. Making sure that everyone's comfortable with the decision that they're making. And, and right. that's, that's super new to us. We haven't, I mean, not that we don't want people comfortable always, but when we're giving money, that's something new. Right. And I, I one little nugget I will add is you saying like, hopefully we're doing it the right way and blah, blah, blah. I, I will say too, I don't know that any coach is like, has the perfect system for that process <laughs> because you, you are always going to miss with with how early coaches have to be recruiting and how broad and how much like we're going to these big national events. We're watching X number of players trying to make Y offers like in yeah. the, we're watching freshmen offering, trying to get them to commit by sophomore. I mean, 
the insanity of how the system works collectively means that like no one is going to be magically uh, perfect or great unless you have a lottery year where you just happen to hit. So plenty of teams are, you know, have players who overperform quote unquote their scholarship and underperform and all those things because that's just the nature of recruiting, you know, 14 year olds. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what, that was one of those things too, that, that, you know, looking at it, a lot of the coaches that I was talking with, even at St. Thomas, I was a year farther ahead than they were in that whole decision. So they're looking at their seniors and I was looking at sophomores and juniors and, you know, they're saying, oh, we're trying to get our 2021s on campus and I'm trying to get the 22s on campus. And, you know, so it was just the whole dynamic was shifted, um, which made it challenging. But at the same time, it helped me be able to help other people now, you know, and say, okay, here's how we did it for the, for this class. How do, this is how we did it for that one. They don't have to take what we do and do it, but at the same time, having advice and having some ideas can be really helpful as well. Yeah, that's a good explanation. I know that like so many people, players, coaches, parents alike, like it gets kind of cringy when we talk about scholarships because, you know, like it's supposed to be something that's like private. And obviously like as parents, like you want your kids to get a full scholarship or a hundred percent or the most that they can get. And so like, I know for a fact that not everyone understands like how scholarships work, but you know, however you make it work and it looks like it's been successful so far, like, that's how it works. Keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. One more thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, so I went and I looked at the stat sheet um, and I saw that two Lexis have a goal each, Lexi yep. Huber and Lexi. They're actually buddies too. So. Yeah. And I see that Abby Brantner and Jasmine Gates also have one assist each. And I know that's nice as a coach to see even though it's been three games, but to see the stat sheet nice and spread out. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there anyone in particular that you've been impressed with in these three games or someone, an impact player that you think um, moving forward will be big for you? I mean, I, I think anyone has potential to be big. I truly do. I, we've never really put focus on one player. And I think that that's good. I think that, you know, even the year we had Mallory DeBoom, who was a, a two-time All-American and we never put the stats or the, the name on it. And she was probably the most humble player we've ever had. And she was phenomenal, you know? And so the thing that we look at is overall, anyone can make a difference in any game. And I think that when you give that as your potential and give that as your environment builder, um, you give somebody an opportunity to step up. And when you give people an opportunity to step up, it, it gives that growth piece. And so in any game, all of a sudden a new player can step up and be that difference maker, a new player, whether that's on the back line or whether that's in you know your center mids or whether that's your forwards who are putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, so each of those opportunities to me is about what happens in those moments and anyone can be that big player in that moment. And so that's the way we always try to look at it. Well, Sheila, you are a much more humble person than myself, and I'll throw Annie in with me too. We're much we're hype focused people. We love to we love to big up individuals. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make you talk about at least one individual. <laughs> uh, Olivia Groutman in the back has been just an absolute stud so far this year. I you know I can't say that I watched her a ton previously, but I think is she a junior? And so she's actually sophomore. Sophomore, yeah. my lord, and she but she has just been especially against Green Bay, if, if folks watch the Green Bay game, I think that game in particular and and maybe the others, but she was, I was describing to Annie too. She was like coming out like a sweeper keeper. She was coming out all the way to the corner of the 18, not just like beyond the 18. She was being aggressive. 
And I honestly, in the time I've watched, I can't remember necessarily seeing like a mistake she made the entire time. I think obviously Green Bay did score that corner kick where it bends into the goal and that sort of a, that's a chaos factor, but I won't throw that only on, on Olivia, but especially earlier on when you talked about maybe we play a slightly higher line, maybe we, maybe we try and work, maybe even do kind of a press where our forwards are, everyone moves up. To me, it, it sort of had a nice little, my antenna went up of, oh, that could actually work, especially because Olivia has shown some propensity of being able to also play up, you know, where she, cause, cause if you play a high line, you can be stuck with balls coming over the top. But if you have a keeper who have the guts like Groutman does, yeah. like maybe she can survive back there and she's not too scared, but talk a little bit about her success and what that does to help set a good back line for you all. Well, and the, I think that, so we call her OG or Oge. Um, so, so one of the things that Oge does well is her confidence just keeps rising each game. And I think that that's something that's been awesome to see. It's been great to see. And she's really claiming that as her own position. And I think that that, for our team as well, is starting to have more and more confidence. We went from a two-time all-region player um, as a goalkeeper. So Oj didn't even get that much time even last year because right. she was behind another goalkeeper. So that for her to have this, this um, recognition right now, I think will be great for her self-confidence. It will be great for her to say, okay, this is me. I have to do this. This is, you know, and I think being able to step up and have those opportunities and she's really controlling her box well. She's coming out um, I think that those are all things that she's been, um, again, just continuing to gain confidence each game where she's making that position her own. So it's been really fun to see that dynamic and to see that um, from her as well, as well as for our back line to trust it and be able to go backwards more to it and being able to have her then play out and having that confidence in, in your back line and in, in your um, goalkeeper to be able to play back, backwards confidently. Right. Well, and I mean, especially for a keeper, there's, especially in college, it's that situation where maybe they played every minute of their entire life. Like, you know, they, yeah. like some of these keepers may never have been a bench player at all. And plenty of field players are like that too. But when you come in as a, as a keeper in college, it's not like you can shift to a position where there's less competition. There's, there's <laughs> and so you come in under an all region keeper. And so I've heard that from a number of keepers where like knowing, knowing my role, knowing I have a spot, feeling comfortable, feeling confident because you're all alone back there. I mean, it's the, it's the defensive equivalent of like taking PKs 12 times a game where it's like, (laughs) stop the shot. So like, here we go. And so that confidence, yeah. And only a sophomore. I mean, yeah, she has, She's looked really good. Well, and she, as you said, she got player of the week recognition. I mean, which is so cool. Even well, for I think you. For us too. I mean, for, for her to get that, I think that's our first St. Thomas, anyone to get that recognition. And so super excited that as a women's soccer player again. Um, but I also think that it helps that both Annie and um, Kendall have, are, pro- are pushing. They train hard together, you know? And so it's really great from that side of it. And Peter McEwen, our, our goalkeeper coach, he's such a positive person. And so when they make mistakes, it's okay but keep going and reach farther than you have before. And so I think that that's a great environment as well to make sure that, you know, that it's okay to make mistakes and goalkeepers are the ones who get punished the most when they make mistakes. Right. But at the same time, think of where they can get. And I think that that's where we're looking is we constantly want to look forward and say, here's where we can get. So I think that that's an important stepping stone to be able to get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, every time you talk about like this mentality of, um, you know, like getting better and it's okay to make mistakes. Like it makes me super excited to keep watching the team, just learning and growing, especially when we get to my favorite time, which is Summit League regular season play. Yep. <laughs> and so I'm beyond excited to 
get home and to start watching the games live. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> yeah, we're. I mean, and that's the thing too is like we've already had that conversation where you know what we're doing now it's been great, but we still we still want to continue moving forward. And so each time we do, you know hearing about the summit league play and how they're doing against this team and how they're doing against this team and what's going on, you know? And I think that all of that stuff is stuff that makes it really exciting for us to be like, I think we might be in this mix, you know, and you can hear the girls chatter, you know? And I love that side of it where they're like, you know what? I think we can play with these guys. And you know, the excitement that comes out of it. It's awesome. It's so much fun. It's great. Well, and I, I will say like, like Annie mentioned, we're so excited to see those, those, you know, inaugural summit league games that you all face off in because i will tell you the games i've been to whether it was the exhibitions or the the regular season matchup against northern iowa or whatever it's been so far the stands have been full it's been a mix of you know there's always player families and in college soccer but it was it was a lot of st thomas students a lot of other you you know it's not always that big of a secret uh what people's story is because usually they're wearing a shirt that says the sport they came from you know (laughs) the football team was there volleyball was there um the stands were full. I mean, yeah. like I know we no, want that to stay. <laughs> I mean, and, and yeah, let let's hope this excitement lasts through this inaugural season and then forever. Because honestly, the least I ever saw it full was like two thirds. I mean, it was it's it's been packed. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, exciting for Andy to get back stateside uh, following her pro <laughs> season, so she can be watching games in person. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're excited to have you guys. It's awesome. We're, we're excited that you guys are taking the time to follow us. So that's been really fun for us as well. That's yeah, great. we're super grateful for the opportunity, um, especially in the first year. You know, it's something definitely new for me. And yeah, I'm just like excited to learn. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks so much for everyone tuning in. Thanks so much, Sheila. Um, if folks want to follow the team, I know obviously you're on all the social media channels, but is there, you know, anything you want folks to know if they're, you know, new to following St. Thomas or want to jump in as fans? No, I mean, I think our Instagram account is probably the best one. Um, and I think that that's going to be for us the best way for you guys to keep track. I think that one of the things that we like to do is make sure that people know the, the personality of who we are, not just the, the, here's what we did. Here's the sprints we ran. Here's the, we definitely try and, and let people know who we are as a team through our photos. So hopefully that's something that, that helps people get to know us as well. That's great. Head over to the St. Thomas Instagram. Obviously when we post the show, we'll, we'll throw people there too. So Perfect. so much for joining us, Sheila, Annie, Annie Williams from Iceland and, and me from boring old St. Paul uh, <laughs> here. And thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Great. Thank you so much.